You're listening to a download from the outdoorstation.co.uk. Number five, four, five. Hello and welcome back to the Outdoor Station. This is a continuation of the recycled 2006 10-part TGO Challenge series, which for some reason is missing from the current listing. Sadly, certain voices you hear, such as Andy Howell, Steve Perry and a few others, are no longer with us. 2006 seems like a long time ago now. However, although equipment that people use may have changed, the spirit, the emotion and the adventure the challenge represents will always remain the same. So for those who like long distance trail diaries, enjoy. I'm Lorraine McCall and you're listening to Podcast Bob on his long trek across Scotland. Brace yourself! Backpackinglight.co.uk The UK's first outdoor podcasting show. Minimum weight. Maximum farm. Hello and welcome to this special Backpacking Light podcast 10-part series recorded as part of the 2006 TGO Challenge, sponsored by The Great Outdoors magazine and Berghaus. For those of you who don't know, the TGO Challenge is an organised walk which takes place in May of each year, from the west coast to the east coast of Scotland, which is approximately 200 miles. Set up in 1980, the framework and principle is totally unique. It isn't a race or a competition of any kind. The object is to foster good fellowship among walkers within the framework of a challenging expedition. The start consists of 12 sign-out locations on the west coast, from Torridon in the north down to Ardashaig in the south, and each challenger, solo or group, makes their way via a high route, low route or mixture of the two across Scotland to finish anywhere between Arbroath and Fraserburgh on the east coast. There's a set two-week window to do this in, and each participant submits their route for inspection prior to departure for safety and advice reasons. The places, however, are limited to 300, and details about the event, if you're interested, and entry forms and past diaries can be found in the October issue of TGO magazine. Each participant makes the challenge as easy or as hard as they wish. The extremes can be a solitary, remote route, sometimes not seeing another person for days on end, or a route which takes in the many social events, perhaps using established accommodation all the way. Most people do a mixture of the two in different forms. This year, I undertook the crossing with my wife Rose, from Lochilort to Dunatar Castle. As we went, I recorded this audio diary to try and capture the atmosphere and to share our experience and those of the many people we met en route. The 2006 TGO Challenge, Part 6 On the Sunday, we make it out of Braemar to Localita Lodge, far earlier than a lot of people do. At the lodge, Bill and Stan explain the idea behind their ever-open door, and from there we go up and over to Dub Lock for yet another cold, stormy night, 
a distance of 15 kilometers, a climb of 763 meters, and a descent of 464. On the Monday, we make a very cold, damp start via Glasselt Shield Bothy to Sheen of Mark Bothy, and then down into that wonderful, cosy haven of Tarfside. A distance of 32 kilometres, a climb of 8 to 49 metres, and a descent of 1,301. At Glasselt Shield, we get to hear about the free gourmet night which Shirley, Steve, and Lorraine somehow managed to innocently walk into. But first, Lee Wells chats to us en route to Localita Lodge. Well, it's turned out to be another uh, another nice morning, although the weather forecast for the next uh, couple of days, Sunday, Monday, is looking a bit iffy. I'm currently strolling up to Localita Lodge from Braemar and bumped into Lee Wells, who was uh, a person I uh, got to know very well last year. And so we're just touching base, really, and just finding out what's happened the last few years and how the trip's gone. Uh, we're heading up to Localita Lodge, where we might have a bit of a break and then perhaps um, head over towards Loch Nagar. So uh, firstly, Lee, how's your trip been this year? Yeah, very well. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, very well. You started a day later due to um, going to see Mr Eric Clapton, yes, I believe. I did, yes. Yeah, but that was well worth it. Well worth it. So you started from Loch Eilort, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Loch Eilort, went up to Loch B-Raid and camped there. Yeah, good campsite. Um, and then over to Glenfinnan, and just take us through a few days from Glenfinnan to Braemar. Went from Glenfinnan down to Connor Glen, which is a beautiful wide open glen, and across the Corran Ferry to Inchery, where I had a nice bed and breakfast and a bath. It was very nice. Then up to um, Loch Elid Moor, which is a really nice camp there near the loch. Then over to um, Ossian. We're camped at the uh, east end of the loch in a very wet, extremely wet night. Then walked through to Darwinie, where I stayed at the, the inn there and had a few pints of Guinness and a bed and a bath again. And then walked through to Glenfeshie, stayed at the, um, the bothy there, which is quite comfortable. And then made my way through to Braemar. Via, via White Bridge, presumably? Via White Bridge, yeah, camped at White Bridge, yeah, quite a windy camp, but um, dry. You know. What was the path like between uh, Darwinie and um, Glenfeshie? Because the last time I went over there a couple of years ago, it was very heavily stone-ridden. Um, no, not too, not too bad, really. Yeah, I found it quite a good, a good path, really. So it wasn't tough on your feet at all? Then? No, not too bad. Not too bad. Any sections a little, little bit boggy. Not too bad. So have you found the weather this year? Has it been kind to you like the rest of us? Yes, yeah. On the whole, I think we've done very well, really, and quite mild nights and uh, not too wet days, really. Um, Gear-wise this year, you've, you were saying you've changed a few things over. Uh, so you've got a nice new Osprey pack there. Um, and the weight, when I picked it up a few minutes ago, does seem to be very, uh, very good. So have you cut back at all on, on anything particular? Yeah, I've had... Um, Three food parcels sent on this year instead of two, which helps quite a bit. And um, try to be a little bit more careful with with um, other things. But um, my new pacer pole seemed to take the rest of the weight off me um, knees and back, which I, you know, I'm really pleased with those. Keep me um, motoring on. You were saying that... Um... Uh, you've actually found it quite social this year. You've bumped into a lot of people over the 
since you started because uh, sometimes you can sort of go several days on end can't you without meeting anybody that's right i've um, started sort of a day or so earlier this year than than in the past so i've really caught up with everybody um, along the way which has been uh, very nice you know and enjoyed more of the social side as i've done in the last two years and what did you make of the uh, the big Braemar party last night yeah, big is the word. A lot of people, a lot of drink taken. <laughs> but um, I left the party at 10 o'clock and before I got into too much trouble. <laughs> Still in full swing. Excellent. So uh, I think you're joining us and we're heading over um, uh, to Luck Lot today. So we'll see how the weather treats us. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'll enjoy your company, Bob. Localita Lodge, Bill and Stan are an institution in the annals of the challenge. Their names and reputation gets into many diaries, comments on the web and is passed in hushed, hallowed tones from challenger to challenger. The reason is their ever-welcoming hospitality which awaits the weary traveller at Localita Lodge. They never refuse a hiker a cup of tea. Most of the time, yeah, if somebody, the if time, yeah. somebody yeah. passes through, we'll give them a cup of tea. Yeah. We wouldn't have anybody walking past without getting a cup of tea. You know, it's, that's what our reputation's built on, that, isn't it? <laughs> so you here, do you live here permanently all the time? or is it No, s- no, weekends. We got the cottage uh, about 15 years ago and we've been working on it ever since. And uh, well, we just meet people coming to stay in the MBA both here next door, you know. So right. we always have them in for a cup of tea and a chat, you know. Yeah. The company's good. Yeah. You met some good people on the way through, very interesting people? Yep. Yeah. And so you've been doing the challenge, obviously feeding and, and supplying tea for the for challenge? A, yeah, for a lot of years. A lot of years. Yeah. A lot of years. Yeah. Now, what's this about here about a rumour that, that sometimes in the evenings a bottle of whiskey is opened? Um, sometimes it has, been, it has been known, yeah. It has yep, been known, yep. eh? But uh, you've got to let it open. You've got to open it to let it breathe. <laughs> I'd breathe. Let it breathe. And once it starts to breathe, you've got to catch it before it evaporates. <laughs> So it ends up, the bottle's empty. Yeah. So you've got to start all over Quite again. Quite a few of the... <laughs> it's, it's tragic, you know, yes. but you've got to put up with. <laughs> well, Somebody's got to do it, though. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So that's basically about it, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah. It doesn't cost nothing to be polite. And, no, you know, hospitality is a great thing, you know, especially in the hills. Mm. You know, you, you, like you say, the people you meet are absolutely fantastic, you know. And some of the guys have been coming through for years, you know, when, you know, they're like old friends now, really, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah. You get everybody's stories and, you know, yeah, all the gossip and you know, gossip. jokes, all, all jokes. It's all old jokes, we know. It's all <laughs> the ones we know. <laughs> the only ones we know, <laughs> But, ah, uh, it's, it's great. It's yeah. great to, to yeah. talk to people, even people like yourself, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's great to talk to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nine out of ten, we're usually here on our own. Mm. You know, on a, on a Saturday night in the winter time, that's, you know, nobody going about. And, you know, we sit at one end of the fire. He's at the other, two bookends and a bottle of whiskey in the middle and, you know, just let it all go by. <laughs> so what's it, what, I mean, what's it like to live, you know, come here every every weekend all year through? Does it suddenly pick up in springtime or do you still get a fair, fair few people come through during the sort of the winter months? Winter time's actually busier. Yeah? Yeah, a lot of the people want to go ice climbing and, and walking and the winter walking. They'll come up because there is a body close at hand to five or six Monroes. Mm. You know, they can take their pick of the Monroes round about. And as I said, if we are there, we won't have anybody stay in a cold body at night, so they, we get them in. And mm. some of the people... Well, there's a, a pair comes up for London every year now, and they give us a phone to tell us when they'll be here, and they have a three, two or three days here, and we have a two or three days with them. 
you know, the, 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 you know Paul and uh, Paul and John, John mm-hmm. yeah, for, for London. Yeah. They they come up every year now. It's, it's, mm. it's a sort of tradition with them. You know, they have a few days off and. They're here. Well, if we are here, they're here. And if the conditions are right in the winter time, they yeah. do a bit of ice climbing, and you know, mm. it's also cross country skiing they can do here as well. Mm. Oh, it's a nice walk from Braemar to here, isn't oh. it? So it's, I should imagine you get a lot of sort of afternoon visitors. Oh yeah, yeah. you get the day trippers. They come mm. up in droves, but I mean, yeah, well, most of them will get a cup of tea if they want a cup of tea or something like that. But most mm. of them just pass through, give it a wave, and carry on. It's funny having the the car outside the door. We drive in because we have to get a lot of stuff in with us. And when they spot the car, they think, oh, somebody's private house. So they mm. just sort of circle it around the side of the, the, the wall there and uh, they didn't bother coming in. It scares them off a wee bit sometimes. But most people know the car now. It comes up fairly regular for Bramar anyway. Mm. <laughs> and what about um, what about this part of the world as regards the midges during the summer period? Do you, do you get it bad up here with the l- being right next to the loch? It's vicious. <laughs> it's vicious. And I might add to you as well, it's only the female midge that bites you. Yeah. yeah. The male doesn't bother you. Yeah. It's a typical female, isn't it? Yeah, but I understand that the best uh, cure is, is the whiskey again, is it? It is. If you if you rub yourself with copious quantities <laughs> of whiskey, that, that doesn't scare them away. It gets them so pissed that they fall off you. <laughs> fall off. They don't bite you. So it's a good way. Good way to get rid of them. Yeah, it's, it's great. They can be quite bad here sometimes, but it's not as bad as the West Coast, you know, which seems to be permanently in the summertime. But here, it, it comes in spats, doesn't it? Mm. You know, it's one day, Saturday morning, they'll be all over the place, and then Sunday morning, nothing. Mm. You know, it's just... But they can't be bad, like everything yeah, else, you know. Depends how much whiskey you've had, actually. <laughs> <laughs> depends if you're feeling Well, you didn't notice them after a week, well, did you? Yeah. <laughs> Get used to them. Get used to them. Yeah, yeah dear, oh dear. Well, lovely. Well, thanks very much indeed for our cup of tea, anyway, a bit of, uh, bit of assistance. Oh, you're welcome. Before we move on. And, uh, That's what it's all about, isn't it? Indeed, yeah. Nice to have met you at last. I've heard a lot about you over the years, but never actually met you before. Well, you're very welcome. You know where we are now. So if you're passing through this way any other time, apart from a challenge, just knock on the door and you'll be... Made is welcome. Well, we're, not, we're not here permanently. We do go other places. You know? <laughs> we do go walking. Yeah, where, where, do, where do you go? Where do you go when you, when you get away? Oh, you, you want to go somewhere? Torridon, Olapool, you know, that's our favourite spots over, yeah. over on the west coast. You know, Or occasionally we'll, we'll fall into the, the western Cairngorms, you know, up Coil and Bridge, you know, you come in for that end and have a wonder up there, Abbey Moor. But Torridon, yes, Bill and I's in Torridon. Oh, not so much now, but it was 10, 11 times a year when we were there. Mm. You know, we were quite well known there, weren't we? Mm. <laughs> well, we're locals. Quite, nice, quite a nice place to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very, totally different to this, of course. Yeah. You know, different terrain and, you know, because everything's at sea level there. You know, they're only about 16, 50 here. But you hate. Mm. So, well, they're still, still quite high tops, like, you know, but they're uh, very, very deceiving because they're all rounded, as you can see, mm. like, you know. They're all rounded tops. And and finally, then what's what's the weather forecast for the next few days? You're obviously in touch with these things. Much the same as it is now. Yeah. And higher winds apparently. Can be wet. But it hasn't been it hasn't been that bit bad really. Bit of snow on the tops and that's about it. Quite a lot of snow this morning actually. Yeah, but it's vanished. It, it's gone. Mm. It's gone. Just it went, what's hanging about. No, it went, it's it's time of year. It won't last now. It won't last well. You're going to get the rest mm. of the week. Yeah, it's some cold wind. Great. But yeah. Torrential rain last night. It was it was heavy last night. When Maria and Stuart appeared half past ten last night, I just couldn't believe it. I saw the wet faces peering in the window, you know. <laughs> I said, oh my God, who's this? And I suddenly realised who it was. Because they've been here a few times, we've met them a few times. And that was a long walk for Tarf, Tarf Hotel to here, 12 hours. You know. 
That's what it's all about. That's it, it. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That's what it's all about. And for a walk. Just for a wee walk. Yeah. 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 You get a bit of breeze on the way. It took a fortnight. Yeah. <laughs> took a fortnight. We walked across Scotland for a wee walk. Oh, yeah. Great. We left Braemar and uh, took the stroll up the road and then up the track to uh, Locality Lodge uh, where we met Stan and Bill and had a nice chat with them. And after a cup of tea and a, uh, a bit of a uh, chat with the other challenges that were passing through, of which there were quite a few, um, Shirley, Steve and uh, Lorraine left to go and find some secret body somewhere that uh, has got a story attached to it, so more of that later. And uh, Rose, I and Lee headed for Dub Loch, um, which is um, uh, probably a good couple of hours' walk, really, up from Lakalata uh, on the Loch Nagar path, and then you bear right down a gully. And the gully um, was fairly damp today because it was, it was pretty wet, I have to say, generally. Uh, it was sort of a um, sleet that we, uh, that we faced, um, very much like the weather forecast was implying. And uh, we uh, spent an hour or two going through all that, uh, heads down, uh, as we came down the gully. The gully itself was, well, on a beautiful day, would be absolutely gorgeous because there was this huge, great water slide. And by that I mean uh, at least sort of three, four hundred metres long, cascading through the rocks at a gentle gentle angle uh, over sort of sloping rocks. uh, And on a fine day would have been absolutely breathtaking. So if anybody ever comes this way it, it would be well worth um, having a look at that it's the sort of thing you can't see from actually up on the path you actually have to come down the gully to see but uh, we very very gingerly made our way uh, down the the wet gully because obviously everything was flooded with water with the with the rain that was coming off the uh, off the hills and so on by the time we got down to the shore of, uh, of Dublock, um, there we found a couple of lovely camping spots, as, as people recommended, a nice couple of gr- um, green areas just outside of the heather. However, we were soaking wet and freezing cold. And I have to say, the temperature tonight is probably one of the coldest we've experienced so far, although uh, the night on the top of uh, uh, Grew was, was fairly cold uh, with a heavy frost in the morning. Uh, all of us are feeling particularly cold and have wrapped up in all our various layers in our sleeping bag tonight. So it's nine o'clock and as we, we lie here now listening to the sound of the uh, water sliding one side and the lock lapping on the other side and the rain gently hammering down and <laughs> the occasional bird twittering, um, we obviously think of all the guys that are probably having a fairly hard evening at uh, Locality Lodge and, uh, and uh, Bill and Stan's warm welcome uh, where they probably let a, uh, another uh, bottle of whiskey open to breathe for a bit uh, before having to consume it before it evaporates. So um, cheers guys, have a good night, um, thinking of you and I really need to get some sleep. I think this night was the coldest night for some of us. The temperature dropped like a stone for a few hours, and at one stage Rose and I had all four layers on inside our bags, trying to find some warmth from somewhere. At times like this, you make your own entertainment, and as we cooked our evening meal, we called over to Lee asking what was on his menu for tonight. Wild mushroom soup for starters, he said, followed by taggy telly, but I can't decide between the banoffee pie or the ice cream for pudding, he replied. 
My, how we laughed. Once again, the little titanium pegs held tight as we were battered by the wind and snow all through the night, and I woke with the inner tent flapping on my face. Such was the force. It wasn't the nicest of starts to the day. Well, we've just woken up on Monday morning and uh, the weather of, of uh, wind of last night, which was predicted 60 mile an hour winds, um, has continued all the way through the night, right through to the morning. It's about half past seven now. We've just managed to pack up inside the tent uh, without getting outside and we're just about to uh, get outside. Uh, Lee opened his tent door and lost something straight away into the loch and uh, we're trying not to do the same. So everything is battened down now and uh, we're about to brace ourselves uh, and uh, make our way down to Glassalt Shield where we'll sort ourselves out properly and have some breakfast and, and whatever. But at the moment it's pretty unpleasant because everything is still very, very cold, wet and damp. We've now made it to uh, Sheila the Mark Body, and uh, we've uh, got Shirley with us, uh, who we picked up down at Glassout Shield Body uh, by Lock Mick. Uh, we've only just started speaking to Shirley because uh, she has a story to tell of, and I, I presume the listener will understand exactly our emotions when we we heard the story. Um, to pick up from this morning's little log, we uh, we left the site where we pitched the tent in the Howling Gale. It was like Narnia when we got out out of the tent this morning. Um, the whole surroundings was was covered in snow, good smattering snow. The, the wind was still blowing at sort of 40 to 50 miles an hour. Um, it was rather chilly, rather cold, and we all pulled on our wet gear and we staggered down the path down to Glassalt Shield. As we approached Glassout Shield, which is the uh, the body there by um, uh, by Loch Mick, um, we were greeted with um, raucous laughter from the body, uh, which contained uh, Steve Perry, Lorraine McCall, and Shirley. Um, they proceeded to tell us they'd had a rather warm and cosy night compared to ours, and Shirley's now going to tell us exactly um, what that involved. That was absolutely wonderful. We arrived at the body um, after quite an exciting um, wet. Um, and, and at times cold day on the hill and then we got down to the bothy and we found that there were people there who were cooking sausages and bacon and exciting things like that so um, we went inside and started getting our kit unpacked and said hello to them and the next thing we knew they were bring, bringing us in bacon sandwiches and sausage sandwiches um, and a bottle of wine as well and it was very nice wine and we um, forcing us basically to eat them I mean I didn't really want to eat it as you'll understand because I was thinking of Bob and Rose and Lee on the hill and I felt really bad eating all that stuff but you know I just felt that it would be Wrong not to. Rude not to. <laughs> Rude, churlish, churlish to refuse, I felt. So we had the bacon sandwiches and uh, the sausage. I didn't, of course, eat the sausage sandwich and I only really looked at the bacon sandwich, not sure where my bit went. Um, but I drank the wine. Um, and then after that, um, we sat down to make something more substantial to eat. And the next thing we knew, they were bringing us in um, bits of steak, venison sausages, pork sausages, um, new potatoes cooked in the barbecue, um, peppers, freshly cooked peppers with mushrooms, um, and um, it was absolutely fantastic, and, and it took us ages to eat it all, and it was quite delicious. And then after that, we all sat around um, the fire. We lit a fire, and there was a huge log that um, the bloke's man handled into the fire, which kept us all warm. And uh, we sat in there for hours and somehow managed to work our way through, I think it was two and a half bottles of whiskey, and somebody drank quite a lot of brandy, um, and there was some 7-Up and lemonade, and so on and so forth, and it was absolutely wonderful. 
So you were warm, cosy, we dry, dry. well-fed. I mean, naturally, at five or six-minute intervals, we kept going to the door and um, check, keeping an eye out for Bob and Rose and Lee, hoping that they would come down. And we kept trying to ring them, and uh, but but unfortunately, we couldn't get any reception. And after a while, we just felt that we better eat the food that had been set aside for them because, I mean, you know, it seemed wrong to just see it sitting there congealing <laughs> on the plate. It went off. <laughs> mm, mm, we wouldn't have wanted them to get food poisoning this morning so close to the end of the walk. And so there you have it, listener. That's exactly what we've we've we uh, arrived to to face the story of the food. Initially, I have to say, none of us believed it. Uh, then, sadly, the people, the owner of the food, uh, came in in the barbecue and introduced themselves, um, and we had to believe it. And and we've sulked really for the last uh, five or six miles. But we're now on talking terms with Shirley again before we um, battle over the hill and start to uh, to head down towards Tarfside. A little aside, uh, a little aside to our little story, um, and just to show you just how far guilt can travel. Um, uh, Steve and Lorraine headed off uh, before us this morning, and um, they've left me a little note and a present in the Sheila Mark body, and it reads as follows: Podcast Bob, we felt so guilty having the steaks last night that when we found this can of beer here, we decided to leave you some. We've only had a mouthful; the rest is yours, my friend. S and L. P.S. Make sure you bring out the empty can with you. Isn't that nice? Anyway, there was half a slurp in there, but it was worth it. Haven of Tarfside is another institution on the challenge, as the organisers hire the church hostel there for a week, and volunteers, usually the partners of those in control, serve up copious amounts of tea, buns, bacon sandwiches, baked potatoes and other such goodies. It is a big social gathering where all the challengers at some stage funnel together. Rooms, of course, are available, but if they are taken, the village allows camping on their sports field, which has toilets, rubbish bins, and most of all, a mason's hall. If you're lucky, the locals will open the tiny hall and invite you in to share an evening of good conversation, a roaring fire, and refreshments, which makes this little village the perfect spot after our previous night. Yesterday turned into a bit of an epic day, really. Uh, best part of 20 miles, and uh, my feet are suffering, uh, sadly, uh, for it today. Tuesday morning, uh, we start off Dublock, and the weather was uh, not on our side. It was um, snow and, and blowing a, a gale and very, very cold. Got down to Glassout Shield. We met up with um, Shirley, um, Steve and, and Lorraine. Uh, Steve and Lorraine went on to do their thing, and Shirley stayed with us. And as you heard, we began speaking to her some five or six miles later after we heard all about this fantastic night they had. The uh, walk uh, down through um, Gloss, uh, sorry, uh, Loch Mick uh, was pleasant enough. Very, very cold, uh, blustery day and fairly overcast, but um, it was pleasant enough and uh, we certainly uh, made steady time, steady progress. Got down to the Spittle of Glen Muick 
uh, where there's uh, toilet facilities and also a little information centre. And for future reference, uh, there's a little coffee machine in there as well with 50p. And you can have teas, coffees and soup and whatever else. So he had a break there for a bit. And uh, before heading up the gully towards the ceiling of the mark. Um, as usual, the, the gully was fairly steady going. Um, and the trick is when you get to the top of the gully and the top of one particular uh, stream that comes into it, the path takes you there, is to always take the right fork and actually go round the um, into the next gully because as, if you take a uh, direct bearing to the Sheila and Mark body, you will get caught in some serious bogs up there. So we made around to Sheila and Mark, um, had that nice little note from uh, Lorraine and Steve, um, stopped there for another brew and, a, and a something to eat, uh, before heading off to Muckle Cairn uh, to head into Glen Lee. Uh, again, little tip here for people listening is that the path down from Mucklecairn is always further over to the left than you think it's going to be. So you tend to take a, a direct bearing straight from the Shoe in the Mark and you end up veering right because it feels right to look down the, the glen. But actually the thing to do is uh, bear left uh, and pick the path up. And once you pick that path up, it's not too far um, to, uh, to stagger down to the stables of Lee, which is another sort of uh, body stop have a cup of tea there and whatever. Uh, the stone, uh, the, the stones underfoot were the, the sort of bouldery type which roll your feet around a bit and uh, if you're pushing yourself a bit this is where it really starts to um, hurt sadly. Um, and we got down uh, Glen Lee which is a fairly long trawl haul, there's nothing particularly exciting about it and um, the snow was still flurrying in the sky uh, and it was still fairly cold, a very cold wind down your neck um, down to Loch Lee uh, through Lockley, um, where we dropped um, uh, Shirley off. There's a bed and breakfast down there that she was uh, had heard about, the House of Mark, which apparently is absolutely fabulous and does a wonderful meal. Uh, so she stayed there out of principle. And then we cut across um, overland um, uh, from the road through uh, via the West Bank sort of path, which is a nice, it looks like an ancient rover's, drover's route, actually, to Tarside, and you literally come straight down to the Tarfside uh, Lodge, and um, you, uh, the, which is where the the ladies of um, uh, some of the organisers of the challenge have uh, set up a little sort of soup kitchen type thing. They they rent the um, the church hostel uh, for a week, and if you're lucky and you call in there at the right time, you might find a, a warm bed and a dry bed certainly. But there's also the facilities there, showers and, and toilets and so on. And they have sort of run an open house soup kitchen, so you go in and run a bill up with cans of beer and bacon sandwiches and hot cups of tea and all the rest of it, which actually is very, very welcome after a long day. And then um, sort of 50 yards up the road from there, there's the uh, playing fields, which is um, turned into a campsite, which the locals are happy for us to um, to use. And we whack the tent up there, lovely flat pitch, nice and warm in the mornings, uh, which is directly opposite the Mason's Hall, and uh, in the Mason's Hall is like a private club, uh, and they invite us in, and you can um, have a few bevies in there, which we did last night, and catch up with a few people and have a chat uh, before crashing back out in the tent. And the campsite's quite nice because there's a toilet, ladies and gents' toilet there as well. Uh, so all the facilities are, are to hand, and it's actually quite a civilised spot to, um, to, uh, to camp. So we um, got up this morning and all of us were saying, gosh, it was cold last night, and certainly it was cold last time we came through as well. I think it was minus five. But last night it was definitely um, zero because uh, everybody was putting on extra layers in their bag and we've got um, uh, frost all over the tents uh, and a good frost on the ground, a good ground frost. 
so it was a fairly chilly night, but um, it's soon forgotten when you pop back down to Tarfside Hostel and have a bacon sandwich and a mug of tea, which we've just done. So today, um, all being well, we're going to head over to Charbothy, which I think will be a sort of fairly steady uh, plod. Uh, my feet are certainly complaining. I've got blisters all under the under my toes, not on the toes, as it were, so it's right in the, the corners of all the toes, which are extremely painful. Um, but um, we'll plod on. Uh, Rose has got a few blisters as well, and uh, Lee's complaining of foot problems, and by this stage, most people have got some sort of uh, challenger's limp. Um, and uh, that's about it, really. So we'll bang on and have a, another night uh, further over, hopefully at Charbothy, and then uh, the final night will be somewhere between there and the, and the coast uh, in the forest. In the next episode, we chat with first-timer Hugh Brown at Charbothy. Then we make our way down to the end of Glendye, where we have an early camp and a bit of a gear review. The following day, we also catch up with Steve Perry as we head through the Fetoresso Forest. Hey, you're listening to One Man's Podcast Across Scotland to be continued very soon. Backpackinglight.co.uk Go lighter, go faster, go further. To subscribe to our show, please follow the instructions on our website or search for us in the iTunes directory. Thank you and good night. Oh, that was good. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To hear or see more from our extensive free library, please visit theoutdoorsstation.co.uk.